was 11 years old, I went forward, but I really didn't understand what I had done. And my parents, it was kind of funny because they would go to church every Sunday, but it wasn't like there was, during the week there was nothing. So I had no growth, okay? Jose, on the other hand, was, came from a Catholic background where his parents never went to church, so it was almost like a traditional thing, but there was nothing, nothing going on. So we were non-believers. We, um, uh, you know, we we were we were promiscuous. Um, by the time we were 18, um, my parents were really really strict. I mean, I was the first, the oldest child, so I was. Uh, they were very very strict with me. It was like stupid strict, you know. So we decided to to get married at 18. Had no business to do that, but we did, so. Yeah, uh, during um, that time that I met her, we spent three and a half years, um, you know, uh, as boyfriend and girlfriend. That's what you called it back then. Um, and um, it, it was very difficult with her parents, you know, that uh, the relationship that we had, it was kind of like a long distance relationship because she lived like a half an hour away from me. And, you know, as, as a 15-year-old, I could not grab the car every day. Uh, I started driving at 15 and a half, so my dad would allow me to go once a week to her house on Wednesday, and then I would see her on Sunday. The rest of the time, it was via phone that we would talk. So uh, as things got difficult with her parents, you know, one day there was like a meltdown and um, and then she called me because she had, you know, a, a meltdown with her mom. And she called me and she said, hey, I'm done, you know, and, you know, with this. And I talked to my parents and I told my dad, hey, hey this is it. I'm tired of this. Uh, I'm just, we're going to go to Vegas and elope and just get married. So hey, I'm going to go pick her up and we're driving to Vegas to get married. Um, I was 18 years old at that time. So when she told her mom that, you know, I was coming down to pick her up uh, and take her and, and just go to Vegas and get married, you know, I said, no, no, this is not going to happen like this. You guys have to do it right. You have to get married at church and all this stuff. So, you know, so things kind of cooled off. And I, 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 at that time, I was still in school. So... <clears throat> I got a scholarship in baseball to go play for a major university. So I, I didn't care about the scholarship. You know, what I wanted to do was marry her. So I say, hey, I just gonna go get a job. And um, I went and applied for this job as, a, as an engineer and they, they hired me. So I told her, hey, we're getting married right away. Uh, within six months after that, we, we were married. Uh, so the relationship, the marriage got started, you know, with friction, you know, between the parents and I because um, I was, I grew up uh, like a wild stallion in the street. She wasn't like that. And, and one day, the, the crazy thing is we were sitting in a table in a wedding and her mom told, she, she was talking to another lady and told, her in front of me, she's not going to marry him because she's going to marry a lawyer or a doctor, not him. So <laughs> she kind of pushed me against the wall, you know. So go ahead. So all that to say that we did not start out in the right foot, but we were very in love. So, you know, we got married. He was, I was 18. He was 19. We're six months apart. So we... Got married after two years. We had our first son. Uh, he, we were, I was 21. Then a year later, Natalie was born, so we had two kids. And we started working. I, had my, I got my real estate license at 18. My parents were very successful realtors, so I kind of followed their lead, and I loved it. We began to make a lot of money. And so I would, I would be working real estate, and he would be... He, left his job and became a builder. So it was a great team effort. 
So that lasted like 10 years. We were the perfect couple. We had two children. We were, you know, what everybody thought we were perfect. But really, there was a lot of things going on that happen when you don't have the Lord in your marriage. And so there was beginning to be cracks. And things were happening. And... Um, you know, I would go to work, for example, and I would work with all these sophisticated men because I was in real estate. I was a young person, but I, I've always been like an old lady. We're opposites, total opposites. This, and so I would get home. Christian Mingo doesn't work. <laughs> so I would get home after being with all these grown-ups and making all these grown-up decisions, and he would get, I would get home, and he would be in the street playing with all the kids. In shorts, construction boots. He's, he's always been like there. that. And so little did I know that the Lord was, you know, I wanted to change him. And the Lord wanted him the way that he was. Because later on, he used him to be a pastor for the youth, etc. And you guys know the way Jose is. He's just <laughs> Jose. Uh, so... I wanted to change them, and that was number one mistake. When you guys, uh, you know, marry, I know there's some of you here that are engaged, some of you might be married, I don't know. The number one thing you need to remember is that you cannot change anybody. If you think you're going to change that person, you are in for a rude awakening. You can't. When you accept that person, you have to accept them the way that they are. If not, get out of that relationship fast. And that, you know, was one of our little cracks. Something yeah. else you could think of? Yeah. Um, as, I, uh, as we were around the 10-year mark, even a couple of years before, we, we became very disrespectful to, towards yes. one another. We did not respect we would get into arguments. I would blow a gasket, get super angry. And All this just, without the Lord, of course. Uh, uh, take off uh, uh, out of the house, screaming tires all over the neighborhood. Uh, so it, it, this was a process that it was building up, and it was building up, and it was building up. Um, uh, the disrespect is something that is a relationship killer. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get used to disrespecting each other as a couple, it's the beginning of the end. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you should honor one another as we we started in God's word, but we were naive. We, we were pagan pigs. We were doing marriage the best that we could it, under the banner of the world and everybody looking from our appearance and and that's why a lot of people put a, a an attention on how much money you make how wealth off you are so we had all the gadgets we had the mercedes the bmws we had the boats we had the house we had everything that this world can offer but our marriage was a disaster and that's why in the eyes of people that we were like the role model co couple because financially we had everything. But our marriage behind the doors, it was a disaster. So I was unfaithful to her. Um, and, and that unfaithfulness uh, made things even worse. So uh, finally one okay, day. Okay, so... Number one, we disrespected each other, okay, which is a killer for marriage. Uh, number two, and I think when you, when you are married, there are basically two or three things that can kill your marriage. And number one, of course, we didn't ha know the Lord. So that's obvious to all of you guys. But number two is money. We didn't have that issue. But if you get into debts, if you get into money issues, you're going to have problems in your marriage. And number three was our parents. And this is where I wanted to talk to you guys about. Because my parents, when you, when you get married, you're supposed to leave and cleave to, to your husband. 
meaning you leave your parents. And this is, this is a, a, a really hard issue for especially Latin girls, okay? We treasure our parents and, um, you know, we have this certain, at least I did. Um, and I had this respect for my, especially my dad. And uh, so he was always very good with money, with numbers. And, and so I looked up, up to my dad like if he was, he was, you know, something incredible. So what would happen here was, let's say Jose would say, let's buy a car. And I would say, okay. And then I would go to my dad and I would say, dad, what do you think about this? And he would say, no, I don't think you guys should get that car. And I would go back to Jose and say, no, I don't think we should get that car. And he knew it. He knew I had been talking to my dad. You know what I'm saying? So what I didn't do, what I, what one of the, the biggest thing that contributed to our divorce and to our disrespect was the fact that I did not honor him. I didn't leave and cleave. I didn't cleave to him. I, I, I never left my parents. So... What that did was it undermined him, and it it made it made me like I don't I don't I hope you guys get this because this is so important in a marriage. You when you get married, the Lord says to leave and cleave. And I know I asked Jose to look up that this scripture and to read it to you guys because this is something that I and it not only can happen to girls but it can happen to the guys too. Mm-hmm. If you're a mama's boy. <laughs> in, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse um, 18, it says, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. And now this is where it gets nice. Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle and to all the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help, a helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep. To fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one rib, and he closed up the flesh in his place. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of men. Here we go. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, a man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So, it's, it's here he talks about man, but it goes both ways, you know. And and one in our relationship, um, her dad, I was, you know, I'm not a dumb guy. So I knew that something was up, and I didn't know what it was. So since I like to play, you know, tricks to check out things, I got an old checkbook, and I started writing crazy amount of money payable to crazy amount of people. So I got the checkbook and I started writing this crazy amount. And I knew her dad was coming to the house and looking at our checkbook to check out our finances. And he came to Belkis and said, where are you guys getting all this money from? You guys are spending all this money. Where are you? And she said, what are you talking about? He said, this checkbook, you're, you're buying all this stuff. Where is all this stuff? You know, I looked at your checkbook, the log, and I noticed that a lot of money is coming in, a lot of money is going on. Doggy said, I don't know nothing about that. And when she came and asked me, I said, aha. <laughs> <laughs> so it proved um, that she was going to her dad to see 
what his opinion was on our finances and our lives. And this is something that happens. Whatever happens as husband and wife in the home stays in the home. You don't go tell your, your, your mom and pop because this is the reason. If she goes, we have a meltdown, we have a fight, and she goes and tells her parents something negative about, about me. They put a notch, and they will never forget that. Even though we get together, and that gets built up. And eventually what's going to happen is the relationship with your in-laws is going to be strained. There's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. So when you join yourself, even as you're courting, you're going to have issues. You're going to have argument. In, in, they call it, as a Christianese, in, in te, in, intense times of fellowship. And it's a fight. It's a meltdown. It's a fight. So when you have that, you deal with it yourself. You don't go back crying to mommy, either her, you know, crying to mommy and tell her and throw me under the bus, and I will not do the same with my mom because that creates a wedge and a, and a problem in marriage and then with the in-laws. Okay, so... Number one, we had issues where our parents, we got married without really our parents being in 100%. Mm -hmm. That is a really big red flag. Mm -hmm. If your parents are not in agreement, guys, there's probably a good reason why. So that's number one. Number two, I didn't leave and cleave to my husband. So... What that did was it created issues in the, in the marriage. So after 10 years, we sort of like drew apart from each other. There was like, we had these, we had two kids. We had, like he said, we had everything, but there was nothing there. There wasn't, and I know now looking back, you know, the Lord was setting us up because he loved us so much. I, I got to believe that, you know, but again, there was just nothing there. So Pretty soon, Jose was unfaithful. When I found out, um, of course, I kicked him out. And I could not even, I couldn't believe it, okay? Number, I, I just couldn't believe somebody that I had been with since I was 15 years old. And now, uh, I found myself losing my best friend. It was almost like losing an arm. I can't explain it to you guys. Divorce, guys is from hell, I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. I, I know that some of you guys are coming from divorced families, so you have like a little taste of it. It affects everybody. It affects your, your children, it affects your parents. It, it is from hell. I can tell you guys, I was young, I was 29 years old, okay? He was, we were 29 years old, so it wasn't like I, uh, you know, I, I was an old maid or anything like that. It had nothing to do with, with that. I, um, I did have the two kids. They were like four and five. So all of a sudden, I found myself divorced with two children and from this man that I had grew up with, that I loved with all my heart. And then all of a sudden, he was unfaithful to me, so he had betrayed me. So on top of everything... You know, it was, it was, it, it was something horrific. I, I think if I were to tell you guys, I think it was the worst thing that I could ever have gone through in my life. And I've gone through a lot of things that have been bad. But this was horrific. But then, because of this. Let me share this. Go ahead. Uh, in Malachi, in Malachi chapter 2, Malachi 2 verse 16, it says, and the Lord God of Israel says that I, he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence. Mm -hmm. Says the Lord of hosts, therefore take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. So in, in the word, uh, God hates divorce. Divorce 
for the Christians. We were not Christians. We were not walking with the Lord. So that, that was the option that was there in our table that it was going to take care, you know, our situation, our torment with one another. You say, hey, I'm going to find this door that is the easy door to solve this. And it's not an easy door. It, for a Christian, that's never an option. When you start a relationship, uh, uh, you know, before you get into this relationship, that's what we tell you. Take the long road. Take the long road that leads to everlasting life when it comes to a relationship that is ordained by God. That this relationship on both sides, when God ordains it, there is going to be peace. There is going to be joy. When God, God is not an author of chaos. God is a God of order. And he does things in such a way that there is order. Even coming into marriage, you see the families getting along. You see everybody praying. Now there is this unspeakable joy in this relationship. And that's what God wants. Mm -hmm. So divorce is never an answer. Divorce, what happens is when we ended up getting divorced, it's, it's the, the turmoil that we were going to, it didn't go away. It just escalated to a different level. Go ahead and tell them about the kids. So, okay, so he, he actually, I was, uh, he left, let's say on a, it was a Saturday. On Sunday, I could barely get up. But I had a friend, Blanca, Noah knows because he's my nephew. I had a friend, she's a friend of the family, that she was a Christian. So this girl was always talking to me about the Lord. And she was always inviting me to go to her church. And I, I think I even went with her one time. But it was like I went one time and that was it. But that morning, that morning after, I woke up and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to go to church. And I, I, I could barely get up because I was so, you know, downcasted because it was, it was a horrific thing. So I got up, I got the kids dressed, I don't even know how, and we ended up in church. I, I ended up in Calvary Chapel, Downey, California, where we lived. And uh, so I remember that day, the pastor, when he taught, at the end, he did an invitation to, to receive the Lord. And I felt like for the very first time in my life, I truly understood, truly understood what Jesus Christ had done for me on the cross. And it was almost like I was the only person there. And so that day, I committed my life to Christ. I, I really, I mean, I had done it when I was 11, but I never really knew exactly what I had done. It was the, but the Lord had always covered me. You understand? Like, I'm sure he has covered you guys. Don't think for a minute that when you got saved, it was just that day and it was your doing. The Lord had, he he was working in you, and I'm sure most of you guys already know. He was working in your life way before. And so that day, I had a radical conversion. I, I'm the kind of person that when, and it's kind of like him too. I did not go in tippy-toeing. I didn't go in and out. You know, I went in all the way and I remember that first week uh, I stayed home from work and I I couldn't get enough of the word that was my gift he gave me the gift of of reading the word of God and just I understood it before it was like wah 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 now I understood every word and I couldn't get enough of it so I gave my life to the Lord meanwhile this meanwhile, wild stallion the wild animal <laughs> was partying. <laughs> the, the wild animal that I was going to nightclub seven days a week. I, I went to a Taekwondo studio and I told the teacher, hey, I want to sign up. And he asked me, why do you want to sign up? I told him, do you really want to know? He said, yeah, I want to know. I said, I want to beat up all your guys here because if I go do it on the street, I'm going to get arrested and right here it's going to be legal. So bring out your best boys, and I'm going to dance with each one of them. So, so I, 
what happened to me in my divorce, I already had an anger problem. And that anger problem multiplied times 100. So, and this is what it says about anger and wrath. And it says in Proverbs 15:1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 16:32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 27, 4, and it says, Wrath is cruel and anger a torment, but who is able to stand before jealousy? So for me, with this anger problem, I took on martial arts, I have money, so I said, I sold two houses. I got, I said, I'm set. I'm not going to work. So what I did is I went into the martial arts studio at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I will stay till 10 o'clock at night fighting with people, training. Then after I, I left and dealing with, I had to go buy a jacuzzi because I was so bruised up and so messed up that uh, they were beating me up, so I needed to uh, reheal my body. So then at night, I would go, get dressed, go to nightclubs, and then go for the whole purpose of getting in fights with people. <laughs> wherever I went, I never, I, you know, I heard the testimony uh, that they shared uh, last week. No, last week, no. Two weeks ago on Monday yeah, about drugs. I never done drugs in my life. I never done drugs. If I never got drunk because I never liked to lose myself, you know, control and awareness. So when I started going to nightclubs, her dad thought I, I, had, I had gone cuckoo because I put on an earring like that. A humongous earring, tie jeans, cowboy boots, and go on and dance on stage. <laughs> so people say, hey, look at this crazy nut. You're talking to me? <laughs> I'll see you outside. So <laughs> before I walked outside, they were wearing my cowboy boots in their head. You know, I so I went to nightclubs to, to get this wrath, this <laughs> anger that, that I had towards her with other people. So I did that. Um, I saw my son and my daughter during the divorce. My son being an A student went to be a failure. And uh, one day Belkis called me to tell me, hey, uh, Jose Jr., I found him in the floor of your closet with all your clothes, crying and weeping. You need to come over here. So my son was in the floor weeping with all my clothes. So if you think divorce doesn't affect anybody and everything is going to be okay and dandy and fine, the, the thing is Satan gives you, but then he collects with an interest that you cannot pay. So I saw my son and then my daughter will go back after I would take girls out on dates, will go tell her and she will weep and weep and weep. Because they didn't have control of what the circumstances that they were dealt with. And that's what happens of kids of divorce. They, they get this package that they did not ask for. So this is the package that my, my kids got. Then in that period, my mom had a nervous breakdown and she tried to kill herself. So we had to go to a baker after, the baker after her. So... <laughs> we went, and even Belkis went, you know. Um, I promise it's, it's going to get better. <laughs> but this is the reality. We're, we're telling you the reality that took place in our lives. And, um, and, and after this, you know, um, the relationship that I have with her parents that it started, it, her mom is a tough cookie, but her mom learned to love me as her son. And her dad told me, I lost the son that I never had 
you are my son and I lost you. So even it affected them, it affected my parents, it affected the kids, it affected everybody involved in that divorce. So, okay, so I went through a lot of different, I call it like, I don't know, first it was anger, then it was I felt sorry for him, then it was uh, I loved him, then it was anger, and that's what divorce is. It's, it's a roller coaster of emotions, okay? All this time, I began to pray for him because one day, and I, oh, there was a lot of hate in my heart, too, for him because, um, you know, one day I, I hated him, the next day I loved him, the next day I, it, it was horrible, okay? So, and all this time, the Lord was doing a work in me. If it wouldn't have been for the Lord, I don't know how people do it. Honest, honest to God, I don't know how people do divorce without the Lord. And that, that's why, you know, you see people turning to drugs and alcohol and uh, all these kinds of things. Because if it would not have been for the Lord, I don't know what I would have done. So I, one day in particular, I remember just going to church and I had all this anger towards him and the Lord just spoke to me softly and he said you know you need to forgive him um, because he really doesn't know me and I forgave you for all the things that you have done in your life and you know he, he kind of like brought it to my face and for the first time in my life I really understood you know, what forgiveness was. And he, he wrote on here, you know, Matthew 6, 14, 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And, and, and honestly, that's what the Lord, that's what really happened to me. I'm not like being religious or anything like that. That's actually what happened to me one day where I just came face to face with the Lord. And so I go, okay, okay, Lord, I need to forgive him. And he doesn't know you. I'm going to start praying for you. And so th that was like a turning point in my life where I actually began to pray for him. As the father of my kids, um, I, every night, I, I, my kids were five and six, I, I think. Back, back, they were little. And so every night I would put them to sleep. And I'm going to tell you guys one story that I love to tell because it's a story on prayer. Mm -hmm. And so I, was, I would put them to sleep every night with a devil, these little kids that I had. But the difference was that I would, I would not only pray for them, I would ask them to pray. And so there's a difference. You can always be praying for your kids. When you guys have kids, let them pray. Teach them how to pray too. Because that makes a difference. Don't be the one that's always praying. Ask them to pray. Kids pray with a lot of faith. So listen to the story. So one night I was putting them to sleep and my five-year-old daughter goes, Mommy, can I pray for Daddy? And I go, sure. And so she said, she said this. She goes, Dear God, I pray that, he, that my dad would read the Bible. That's all she said. Amen. And I thought to inside, I said to myself, oh, my God, this man doesn't even own a Bible. You know, this is like, this, is, this prayer is not going to happen. Okay? So listen to what happened that night. So I had to communicate with her uh, uh, what time we were going to pick up. The, I was going to pick up the kids on the weekend. And then um, she called me. And then right before that, uh, like an hour before that, you know, I was watching sports because I was hooked on sports. So I was watching sports and I said, this is stupid. I'm tired. What do I do? What do I do? So then I said, uh-huh. One of these girlfriends, that, a girl that I dated, she gave me as a um, housewarming gift, a Bible. And she used to pray, Lord, surround them with Christian people. And I said, all these girls that I want to go out, they want to take me to church. This is whacked. What the heck? What's going on? Why are all these girls want to take me to church? So this girl popped me a Bible and said, oh, boy. 
So I grabbed the Bible in the box and I put it in a closet. And that night, that night, I had a long to read. So I went and I took out the Bible and I have never in my life had read the Bible ever, ever. So when I got the Bible, I opened it up, I started reading it. And then that's when she called me. She said, uh, hey, I'm calling you to uh, I called about him, the kids. I called him because the next, uh, we, he, we had this thing that he would have them every other weekend and every two, Wednesday. two, every Wednesday I would drop them off in school and he would pick them up in school on Wednesday, drop them off on Thursday. That was our deal. And so that day, I, it was a long, the Wednesday was a short day, so around 11 o'clock at night after I went to, I tried going to sleep and I couldn't get Natalie's prayer out of my head. It was like, oh my gosh, you know. And so I go, oh my God, I forgot to call Jose. We never would talk, by the way. I mean, there was like... Uh, no communication. There was no communication. I mean, the only thing we would talk about was the kids. So I called him that night and I go, hello? He goes, hello? I go, no, I, I heard it in his voice, like, hello? Like, I go, I just wanted to let you know that tomorrow you have to pick up the kids, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I told him, you'll never guess what I'm doing. Yeah, he goes, you'll never guess what I'm doing. I go, what are you doing? And he no, goes. You told me, I really don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, I go, I really don't want to know. I really, I really don't want to know. That's what you told me. I really, because since I was whacked out, she said, imagine this space cadet, what he's up to now. So she said, no, I really don't want to know. Do I have to? I said, it's good. It's not bad. So I told her, I'm reading the Bible. I go, what? I go, what are you, the only thing I could say was, what are you reading? He goes, I'm reading John. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> I, you guys, let me tell you, I got down on my feet and I cried my head off. Because that day I truly understood what prayer was about. My little girl, who was five years old, had faith. She prayed with faith. That's why God says pray with like a child, you know, with the faith of a child. And here I was, the big Christian, and I did not even have one ounce of faith. And that taught me such a huge lesson. And from that day on, I really, really began to pray for him and started praying specific prayers. Lord, you know, melt him, do a work in him, uh, save him, uh, surround him with godly people, surround him with godly friendships. Mm. And, um, and again, like he was saying, God had a sense of humor. All these girlfriends of his were backslidden Christians. You know, they were... They wanted to take me to the crusade. Yeah. They, I mean, they, it was like, I didn't know any of this. Crusading Angel Stadium. And I went, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I said, this is a freak show. <laughs> what in the world is going on here? So she started to pray. I started having dreams. I never dream at night. I started having dreams that our marriage was restored and we were happy. I said, I'm up, I must be getting depressed. This is what <laughs> depression is like. This is depression. Let, let me get up, let me get dressed, and let me go outside and beat up somebody <laughs> because I got to break out of this thing. So as she was praying, God was showing me what he was going to do within our marriage and our family. He, was be, he began to reveal himself mighty and strong in my life, and I could not take this. So she kept praying, and there was the harvest. That happened to Harvest Crusade. Har the Harvest Crusade is uh, Greg Laurie. He's an evangelist. He throws, you know, like Billy Graham, a crusade in a stadium, and thousands of people go. So she started praying that this next year I, I will go to the harvest with her. So tell her what happened that day when you started so, praying for that. So, yeah, I was just praying for his salvation. I was... Um uh, and it's funny the choices that you make because I was 
at the same time that, that I was going through this divorce, I had a friend who was going through the same thing. And she got involved with somebody from work who was a non-believer. And she was a strong Christian. It could happen to anybody. And so she got involved with a non-believer from work. And she ended up getting pregnant. She ended up marrying this guy. And it was a disaster. Here I am. I'm praying. And the Lord, the Lord spared me. Let me tell you, I'm not an angel. I mean, I made some, some mistakes. But he spared me for some reason. I just kept praying. And he, you know, I was not even interested in dating or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I, I just was focused on praying for him. And I messed up. I went out with some guy. It was stupid, but whatever. Good thing I didn't find out yeah. when he killed him. But um, it was nothing. I, you know, but the Lord just pretty much, every time I would, I went out with two guys, and it was like I couldn't. I just couldn't. So um, I never introduced my kids to anybody. I was always just, the Lord just spared me. I, what can I say? It was really him. It wasn't me. So um, I started praying for the Harvest Crusade, which happened every summer, for him to go. And then the, the Wednesday before the harvest, the harvest was on a Saturday, Sunday. The Wednesday before the harvest, I went to church. And the pastor, the message was, if you don't invite people, how in the world are they going to go? So I go, man, Lord, do you really want me to invite him? And... You know, he just like put it in my heart. Yeah, you have to invite him. So I was like, oh, my God. So I started praying. I said, okay, well, if, you, if he calls me, and mind you, we had no relationship whatsoever except no, like we were not friends. You know, we were like kids, and that was it. And so um, I, I don't even remember. Did you call me or something? No, you, you, uh, you, uh, she started doing open house. Uh, 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 she was at the office doing farming. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, so I remember now. Sorry, we haven't done this in a long time. We haven't time, done this in so, 16 years. And you can't practice for this. This is just, uh -huh. we were just praying, Lord, give us, you know. So anyways, yeah, I, um, I think he called me on Thursday or Friday, and I got, had the guts to just ask him. And he said yes. Oh, yeah. You, you, he you're said right. yes. I was like, wow. He said yes. Okay. I'll go. He goes, I'll go. I'll go. I said, I'll pick you up. I had never been to his house. I had, remember, I was not one of those weird women that follow their ex-husbands or anything like that. Stalker. Nothing. I was not a stalker. I didn't have, I didn't want to know anything about his private life because I figure the more I know the worse it is so the Lord gave me even that grace okay so I had never been to his house I I was just all about the Lord and so I told him I'm going to pick you up and and that weekend he had the kids because I had just come back from Miami on vacation my parents had a condo here and so I had just come back the Tuesday before went to church on Wednesday the Lord, you know, I asked him on Thursday. So he had the kids. He picked them up from the airport. And so I was supposed to pick up the kids back up. And we decide, I decided to take them to the harvest on Sunday. Okay? So on Sunday, I was working real estate. I was in my office. And he calls me. And he says, I'm not going to go. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going. I'm like, Wow, I, I was crushed because I really thought it was the Lord. So I called all of my girlfriends, all of my friends from young adults, okay, from singles. From it was singles. called singles. I called everybody that was close to me, and I said, you guys have to pray for Jose because he just called me and he backed out. So I got all of my very good godly friends, and I had everybody praying for Jose. So um, I said, okay, well, fine, I'm, I'll go pick up the kids. And so when I got to his house, he was just laying there on the couch. And I go, why don't you just go with us? Yeah. Um, she, she had come to Miami. I had gone to um, Virginia to the National Taekwondo uh, Championship. I was the California champion. 
So I went there to fight against the 50 champions, the 49 champions from all the United States. So uh, I come back and then I was supposed to have the kids. And um, so I told her I'll go. And then that Sunday, I went with a girl that I was dating and I had a horrific fight with her. And I told her, hey, I'm not going anywhere. Just come and pick up the kids. I was in shorts in the house. I'm not going to go anywhere. So she comes and she says, come on, what do you got to lose? You know, you don't have nothing to lose. So I said, okay, I'll get dressed. So I got dressed. So she said, I'll drive. And that from my house to Angel Stadium, it was like a 10-minute drive. I live very close. So on the way there, I was just, you know, you wouldn't even look at me. I was proof face looking to the front. I didn't even want to look at her. We did the not kids talk. were angels, the like kids, never before. The they were just in the back. And I think my kids were praying because they, they, were, they knew the Lord. Yeah, they knew the Lord. Even at that young age. Yeah. They, no, we send them. To, we were hypocrites because we send them to Christian. Yeah, schools. they went to Christian school since they were in kindergarten. So as I get into Angel Stadium, that's a stadium that I had gone a whole bunch of times, but this time when I'm in the parking lot, I feel butterflies in my stomach, and and you know I say, hey, I got butterflies. Something is not right. It's like I was scared, you know. So I have butterflies, and I tell her, hey. I got butterflies. I don't know what's going on with me. And she started smiling. I, I, said, I was thinking to myself, about? that is the Holy what Spirit. What's so funny? And, and, and this is the thing. I go by myself to fight against the best of the best. And I'm not scared of dying or anything happening to me. But I go into this stadium. And now I got this fear. So I get in. I sit down. I, 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 I sit on the stadium. And... Um, um, the worship goes on, and I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And, and this is happening, and, you know, I'm, I don't want to be there. So I'm looking at all this and trying to just control myself and get over this and go back home. So, and that's, God is a God of connecting the dots perfectly. That, that day, they had a guy sharing a testimony, and there's power in your testimony. The testimony that you have, you have your testimony is like your DNA, it's like your fingerprints. The DNA that God gives you is unique and is perfect, and all it shows is to a mighty God manifesting himself as strong in you if you don't ruin your testimony. So... I had a guy share his testimony. His name was Dave Derecki. He was a pitcher for the Giants. And I love the Dodgers, and this guy was a pitcher for the Giants, and I was watching the game when this guy threw the ball. His arm broke. He started rolling on the ground, and nobody knew what had just happened. The guy threw the ball. He's, he starts rolling on the ground. Later on, it comes out that he had bone cancer. And this guy was a man of faith. He was a godly man. The next time I see him, I saw him in that game. Like it was two years before that. Now I see him for the first time sharing his testimony. It was the guest The guest person that was. Before the, the pastor. Yeah, he was sharing his testimony. So when I look at him, they had amputated his shoulder, his rib cage, half his body. So when I looked at him, all I saw, it was half a man. And I started looking at it. Now I'm captivated by this guy and, and what he's saying. He says that if it wouldn't be for the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he wouldn't kill himself. If it wouldn't be for the Lord Jesus Christ, he's half a man. And his wife loves him and takes care of him and looks after him the way he is. So he started sharing his testimony. And at that time, God used that guy to soften my heart, a heart of stone to a heart of flesh to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the preacher comes, and he does the invitation. And to me, I was still thinking about that guy. I thought I was a man. I was a coward. I was 
full of myself. I was prideful, arrogant, and God broke. He had to take me to the lowest low to show that he will not be mocked. And that I was prideful sitting there. And it took a seven-year-old kid that was standing on top of the bleacher, on top of the seat in the stadium. And he said, Dad, you don't need to go down to the field to give your heart to Jesus Christ. He tapped me on the shoulder. He said, Dad, you can give your heart to Jesus here. When he told me that, I had to turn this way because it was Niagara Falls. (laughs) The guy... The guy next to me, he had to put on a raincoat. <laughs> you know. It's funny how the Lord does things. Uh, I started crying like a, you know, weeping over there because I could not look <laughs> at my son. That's how, how big of a coward I was. The way could, we were sitting, it was me, my daughter, my son, and Jose. Because remember, we were, we couldn't, we really couldn't stand each other. I mean. We had, it wasn't that we couldn't stand each other. We had uh, hurt each other, okay? So um, when this man came, comes up, I didn't know who he was. I thought his, his testimony was powerful, but I, didn't, I had no idea how the Lord had used it in Jose. And he said something. He said, eh, you know, I, I try to fill my life with women, drugs, alcohol, sex, But nothing prepared me for what I was going to go through. And if it wouldn't have been for the Lord, I would have killed myself or whatever. So when the pastor uh, shared the gospel and then he gave that altar call, this man that was so hard. I mean, Jose was standing like this the whole time. The whole time he was like mad. Looking forward, not, not looking at me, not looking at the kids. It was almost like the castigo, you know. He was there, you know. And so all of a sudden, I see, I see these tears going. He was like, like this, and these tears going down his face. Must have been constipated after. <laughs> and the pastor says, anybody that wants to receive the Lord, come down here. And I'm like, let this guy do it but uh then then my son no goes way. he wouldn't do it he no wouldn't way. do it but then my son goes like this daddy remind remember he was six or seven no he was six he goes daddy you don't have to go down there you can give your life to jesus from up here mm-hmm. oh my god this guy was like poor i mean he was sobbing like he does now okay yeah. he was cry. i cried like a little girl so <laughs> he was sobbing up a storm. And so that uh, day we, we get back in the car. No, we, we hugged as a family yeah, and everybody we around us. We did us, a family hug. We I did touched a, it for the first time after yeah, two years. Exactly. And everybody around us, it was really funny because everybody around where we were sitting, they kind of knew what the heck was going on because they all started like clapping for us. Like they got it. You know, they must have been a bunch of Christians, you know, and they were like, yeah. And we, I was like, what happened? <laughs> what is happening here? You know, it's kind of like that girl that was praying for Peter to get out of jail. The same thing that happens to Moses. He stood and saw the red seat open and he could not believe it. No. Moses wants well, to say, yeah. No, no. I felt like that, that girl that was, uh, they were praying in, in the upper room for Peter to get out of the jail or something yeah. like that. And he came knocking Martha. on the door and she opens the door and she closed it. Because she, I was like, what just happened? I have been praying for our marriage to be healed for a year and a half. And all of a sudden, this guy gets in for his salvation and he gets saved. And so we go, we hop on the car. We take the kids to my mom's house. We drop them off. I get back. No word, no conversation, nothing. I'm just looking to the front, not talking. I get off the car. And when I get off the car... I tap on the window. She puts the window down. I said, if you're willing to forgive me of everything that I have done to you from this day going back, and you want it, just start judging me from this day forward. I want to give our marriage another try. I go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got home, and it's like, oh, my God, all this 
What fear. have I done? What have going I done? Back with this you know, guy this guy. Again. I had him out of my life. <laughs> now he's back again. So he called me. We got me. three birth, uh, marriage certificates. <laughs> yeah. So he called me the next day and he says, when are you going to church? I'm like, I go to church. Well, wait a minute. There was a, I was dating this girl that was a backsliding uh, Christian. And she had tried to take me to church and I didn't want to go. So this girl, it calls me, hey, where, you, where did you go? I say, I went to the harvest. She didn't ask me nothing else. She asked me, did you get saved? Mm -hmm. Did you give your heart to Jesus? And I say, yes, I do. She said, I'll see you tomorrow. So the following day she comes, and she picks up the stuff that she has there, and she tells me, you got to give the relationship that you got with your ex-wife, you got to give her another chance. And I say, okay. And she says, if that doesn't work out, you know where I'll be. But, ¿Qué descara? but, if, <laughs> but if that works out, she tells me, but if that works out, I'll see you in heaven. And I never saw her again. And then the following day, um, I tell her, hey, I'm new at this Christianity. What kind of music do you guys listen to? No, she said, he... Christian music. I said, what's the radio station? Since I like music, I put all the stations on Christian music. I say, when do you go to church? She says, on Wednesday. I say, can I go to church with you on Wednesday? She said, yeah. So that Wednesday, they had a guest speaker because the senior pastor was on vacation. And they had an ex-football player that I can relate to uh, as the pastor doing the, the teaching. And I connected with him. And when that guy said, whoever wants to give their heart to Jesus Christ, come forward and and." And come to the front of the altar. This time he was the first one. Everybody, when I walked in that church, a church of 3,500 people, everybody was looking at me with a hard face. You know, and I can't, you know, I, I knew that people were looking it's at his me. His imagination. Of course they were looking at me. I had bad names. Everybody was praying for him because <laughs> they knew he was my husband. And so, uh, so when he did the altar call, I, w I didn't look around to see what anybody, I went and I knelt down and that's when the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and he really tore me down uh, and I started weeping and she comes and everybody that, that was her friend, they come and then I turned to her and said, when am I going to stop crying? <laughs> <laughs> when is this thing going to go away? <laughs> So, so, needless to say, Jose had a, a tremendous conversion. It was about a month later we remarried. There was a picture there when we were facing each other, yeah. dressing white. That's the day that we renew our vows because we knew in the sight of God we were married. The divorce is by human courts, not by God's standard. So what we did is we renew our vows in, 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 in the house with our family, our kids, there has never been any kind of Christmas gift given to them that they had this space and this joy for them to see us join together as a family. My mom got saved. My brother got saved. My Everybody, sister got they saved. Started seeing a, a, because then, you know, the same crazy guy, God picked them up going 100 miles per hour that way. God picked me up and turned me this way. So now I'm getting in everybody's face, not to get into fights with them because I know that my testimony will be tarnished, but I will tell them about Jesus. And then, um, what do you call it? Um, my, um, my brother, the following year, got saved. And, uh, and that Christmas, uh, because this is in August, in that Christmas, I made the biggest sign ever out of plywood. It says, happy birthday, Jesus. And I put it, I did a Chevy Chase Christmas vacation <laughs> at the house. I had lights everywhere. And then I put that humongous sign in the center of my yard. And my family come and he said, my brother, take down that sign. Are you nuts? What are you doing with that? Because they were not, they didn't understand. So our testimony and our conversion, it took her to pray for me. And it took my kids to pray for me. 
Um, but this is the thing. In relationships, we'll wrap it up. Um, God is a God of miracles and wonders. He's a God of restoration. It's a God of restoration. It's a God of new beginnings. So if you think for a minute that he's not able to bring you your mate. Think again. <laughs> you, you lack faith and you haven't been praying. She prayed for me. Even I was unsaved. So God is in the business of since the beginning of creation. Right after he created the heavens and the earth and everything in this planet. He created men and women. And he joined them together in marriage. So marriage is ordained by God. And, and marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman before God. And it's an everlasting covenant. Because in heaven, when we get to heaven, is we're going to live, we'll be married for 41 years. 43. 81 to 22. 42. Is 41. It's going to be 42. 41 years old. Okay. I'm good at math. Uh, <laughs> we got married in 81. Eight, anybody good at math here? 81 to 22. 41 years. 41. <laughs> With a two-year intermission. With a two-year intermission. <laughs> but uh, just even uh, um, just this thing about marriage, um, God is, is well-pleased when his children... Uh, get married, but it's like everything else. The world doesn't want, and this is the weird thing. Homosexuals, they look to get married. They want to get married by the courts, and they want the state to acknowledge their marriage. Now, the heterosexuals, they don't want to get married. They wait forever. They shack up together. They do this thing. And this is the plan of the enemy. But for us as Christians, you know, even as I have talked to so many pastors, marriage is not something that we put away to when it's convenient. It should be a priority within our lives to find our helpmate for us to do life together. So I don't know if you guys give a priority to marriage, but after this second turn of marriage. And that's why we show the, the pictures that we have shown. Our second, la, second part of the marriage, we have traveled 37 stages, the states together. We talk, our communication. You know, now our parents don't have dominion over us. So we understand this thing. And that's why, you know, we feel that we needed to let you guys know that it's not that everything is glory, but it comes with trials and things. But if we pray and we wait on the Lord, God has a plan. So I just, if you guys have any questions, as we have gone through this thing about relationships for several weeks, I think we have covered everything when it comes to godly relationships. But if there's something lingering in your, in your mind, just ask us now. We're going to take five minutes. If there's anybody that wants to ask questions, just ask them now. Any questions? Well, if you're if you were married, you're talking about in, in the marriage. In general, a general. Provision. In general, if you're a boyfriend and girlfriend, that's a totally different thing. Uh, you know, he may call you to forgive and and not 
you know, renew that relationship, but as long as you forgive each other. You, but, you, you have to find forgiveness in your heart in order for your prayers not to get hindered. Even it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a relationship of somebody of the opposite. Maybe uh, somebody that you know, a friend of yours, betrayed you. Now you got this resentment in your heart towards her. You got to be able to wipe the slate clean of your heart. Because if Jesus Christ forgave us of all the wrong things that we have done to him and him alone, who are we not to forgive one another? I can tell you that the person who doesn't forgive is the one that suffers the most. Yes. Like if I wouldn't have forgave him, I would have suffered for the rest of my life, been a bitter woman. You know, I would have, you know, those bitter old ladies, that's who I would have been. But I chose to forgive. So I, it was, it's a choice. It's a choice. And, and then whether that other person realizes it or not, or they follow through with it or whatever, that doesn't matter because what matters is you. Okay. And then another thing that I want to say is some of you guys might uh, not desire to get married, which is okay too. You know, he may not have given you that gift. I know I had a friend um, that was a very dear friend of mine who she just wanted to be a missionary and she did not want to get married. And she never did. And she was a happy girl. So that's another thing. I mean, uh, it's like Paul says, it's better to be married. And if how do you know whether you have the gift of, of wanting to be married? If you want to be married, you have the gift. And so the Lord will provide for you a mate. But there are some people, and it's not a large amount of godly people, that, you know, the Lord doesn't give you that desire, and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. As long as you serve the Lord with all your heart, you know. So I want to say that too because yep. that can Anybody happen. Else? You better ask now because when we do premarital counsel, you're going to come to my house and she's going to cook and we're going to sit down and talk about these things in depth. And I'm going to ask you questions. If you get the wrong answer, <laughs> anybody else? Okay. All right. So let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you so much for tonight. I pray, Lord God, that... Uh, as you have been good to our lives, Lord God, I pray, even in this thing about relationships, Lord God, we want to honor you with our relationships. We want to honor you, Lord God, with our lives in such a way that you will be magnified and you will be glorified, Lord. So thank you so much, Lord God, for marriage and what marriage means to you. As you are our Heavenly Father and you know all our needs and all areas that we struggle and we're weak. And you brought a helpmate to help us, Lord God, to be able to do life with you, Jesus, being the center of, of our lives, Lord God, as we look unto you for you to help us, oh Lord, to do relationships and to do marriage the way you ordain it before the foundations of the universe. So glorify yourself in our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. God's people said, God bless you.